I'm Phil with Alpha Bow Hunting, and this is our new show, To the Point. All right, welcome back, everybody. Uh, to the Point here with Phil Mendoza and Braden Forsyth. Bo is out sitting in a tree stand or maybe probably, driving home. He's probably driving home in that, that storm. S- snowstorm? Yeah, that snowstorm, so... Well, today what we decided to do was to answer uh, a few questions that, that have been submitted via email first. We might actually get into a second show with some uh, following up on some comments from some of the, the YouTube videos that um, the YouTube shows. So quite a bit to cover today, and we're going to go ahead and get right into it with the question, and actually it's a couple questions, that Austin Pierce submitted um, First, first off is we'll go ahead and tackle one of the the questions first. As Austin says, he's a bow hunter. He's looking for to learn more terminology. Uh, at, you know, transitioning into po- possibly doing more target shooting leagues, that kind of stuff. Winter, right? spring stuff, summer stuff. Yeah. And and we we see that a lot here at the shop to where bow hunters obviously you, you got that hangover. Usually, if if it's just uh, September, October is a hangover. Right. Right. Anybody that gets to do any more like Eastern Plains hunting here or gets into the Midwest to do any hunting, then you see that hangover towards the end of the year. But the, that target season really gets ramped up in around this time of year, November, December, January. And what we do here at No Limits is we try to follow our target leagues to what's kind of the upcoming events. Right. Uh, Vegas being a big one, Vegas, the Vegas shoot that's usually end of January or early February uh, that shoots on this multi-phase target here. And uh, then the, the NFAA indoor round that's usually in March that shoots on the, the blue and white targets that's, that's like this here. So what we're going to try to cover a little bit here is, you know, some of, the, some of the common terminology when you see guys talking about the scores that they shoot in a round, like a 300 round. I shot a 300 with 27Xs or uh, some of the high, high-end shooters that are able to shoot that 2930X, which... That's not me. You got a few on the board, <laughs> there, but I, my name's not on there. There's a few of them, but so the the scoring on this type of target or the single, uh, the single ring scoring, basically it starts with uh, this the little baby circle in the center is, is the X ring. That's kind of your tiebreaker, in in most cases, or your X count. The that next circle that's what about an inch and a half, I would guess. I, I don't have a tape measure here. Is your ten ring, and any indoor scoring, any scoring event really. Even on 3D, we got a, 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 vital, a vital of a 3D target here. You touch all you need to do is touch the line to get the higher score. Uh, in in paper shooting, um, what happens is let's say you start shooting a target and it starts to get chewed up a little bit, and you can't see the line. You actually are supposed to recreate where the line would have been to identify a score. In 3D archery, it's a little bit different. If the the lines on a 3D target are a little bit shot up and dismembered and the line pulls over a little bit and it touches your shaft but it's not where it would be assuming it was new if it's touching the line it's touching the score you get the higher score so paper target shooting all you need to do is touch the line you get the higher score if the line is not visible you recreate the line so again ten ring is is the is not the smallest itty bitty circle that's about the size of uh, a nickel it's the next one out and then anywhere inside that second ring is a nine Eight, seven, six. Obviously, it goes all the way down to one on a on a one uh, on a single face target. So you're shooting three arrows per round 
first score, if you're shooting a 300 round, it's 10 rounds of three arrows for a score, a best possible score of 300 with an X count, right? X count's your tiebreaker, right? That's it. And then um, in some, there are some games, very few, but you can sh- some, some people shoot a 450 round, which is 45 arrows, same format. Uh, Vegas shoots 300 rounds. They shoot three 300 rounds for a, a score of a best of 900 plus the X count. To get into the shoot-off, you got to shoot clean. you got to shoot all 10s. To, for a score of 900, and um, they do have, I believe, the, what's called a lucky dog. If somebody sh- just dropped one 10 ring, they have a one person. They have shoot off, one person gets in. So this type of scoring, that's what you're looking at. Three arrows. You you see some people shoot a little bit fatter fatter arrows for this type of scoring, to hopefully grab that line or touch that line. That's that's really. I mean, you can shoot your bow hunter setup at this type of game zero issues if your goal as a bow hunter is to just get better in my opinion i wouldn't get too crazy with having two or three bows just to have for different games shoot the bow that your end goal that your your goal to to do if it's hunting is your your primary kind of task that you're trying to get better at shoot that bow you know sometimes people turn the bow down a little bit and wait but get used to that bow in all in all facets you know high pressure of of situations it is a target shooting type of game 3D and, and hunting. You know? And that'll depend on, on, depending on how serious you want to get. That'll depend on the rules of the game. Um, what is it? Is it uh, what, one doesn't, who doesn't allow camo bows or any camo? Yeah, so, so USA Archery, um, That's what it is. That you, get some, you get into some organizations that they have, they get particular with rags on attire right asa archery you're supposed to have a collared shirt if you're at a pro-am type shoot so you just make sure you read the rules for those type usually leagues lax. Yeah, usually pretty lax and if you're if you're really just looking to get better as a bow hunter and shooter which would be that's kind of my my use of, of these types of shooting it's I, I i'm not getting involved in tournaments where, where there's pro-am or anything like that it's more of a lax that, hey just shoot thursday night league or wednesday night, tuesday night leagues here and that kind of and thing. there's even good local shoots that are that are lax you get you some get you some practice in a little bit more pressured environment um but yeah so and then so the the next kind of target face you usually see quite a bit is an nfa round which you're actually shooting five arrows per round as opposed to three arrows uh, this game you're usually scoring. It's also a 300 score, but you're shooting at uh, the X's is a tiebreaker again. But the 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 bigger white circle is scored as a five. So you got five, four is the, this whole area is actually a four. So if you're off of this on a five spot, it's a it's basically five four or a zero. Um, the X again being the tiebreaker. So you'll, you'll see the terminology in this game is very common. It's like I shot a 300 with 52Xs or 57Xs. Or somebody shot a 297, that means they had three arrows that left this white, this white ring into the blue. Or maybe you shot a, a single-face target and it scored even an arrow down from that. But typically, um, that's what you're seeing. Again, terminology is, is what I, I promise you if you go to one league and the people there are halfway decent, which most leagues are full of great people um you're going to get the gist of it with one night of shooting so don't be intimidated to go shoot uh whether it's league at at your local pro shop or you know go try a local event you know i mean the idea is to hit the middle i mean when i when i simplify things it is to hit the middle i'll figure it out later you know In, in a nutshell that's it so terminology wise that's kind of the scoop there as far as looking at um 
vitals on a on a 3d target which this one's a little bit beat up but you know you've got a couple different main organizations that, that do scoring ibo and asa ibo being the center 11 ring here is your is your kind of your bonus ring asa is scoring either the low the low 12 or the high 12 you got to usually call for the high 12 10 ring is the about four and a half five inch center the vitals is eight the 14 ring is usually only play for asa and in shoot-off format for the most part. Most most ASA events, I think, have got away from using that into normal scoring. It's been a little while since I've shot a sanctioned ASA event, but um, that's in a nutshell. I mean, you're, again, it, it's likely in these type of targets, on a 3D target, where the foam starts to get shot up, and you can see some of this. I don't know how good you can see on the camera if you're watching it or if you're listening, but you can see some of the, the, uh, the foam can get chunked up in places, and if that ring happens to, the, the scoring ring happens to, to break where the foam is and bend over, and your arrow maybe is an eighth of an inch outside of it, but that line is actually touching it, technically you're supposed to get the higher score. All you need to do is touch the line. It's not your responsibility for recreating the line. And again, it's, that's, that's one of the bigger differences for scoring on 3D archery to paper archery or target archery is, um, is how it's scored. So... Braden, kind of put in a nutshell, the goal is to hit, put in the middle, right? right. Understand your purpose with, with your practicing. If, if you're looking to be just a better bow hunter um, and you just want to shoot your bow more under more pressure situations, understand that going into any event you, you look at going into, even if it's just a weekly league fun shoot, you know, on your on, on a 3D course, um, T take some purpose into your training so go in there have fun we're, we're always looking to have fun but but take some purpose and, and say hey i I'm, I'm aiming for i want to hit all tens tonight or, or no eights or no fives or whatever it may be and set, set some goals that really help focus that training you're not just out there shooting arrows you know making good releases and you're, you're training properly so use these things if you're going to use them for for your end goal as, as a bow hunter like me that that that's why how I use these um, is not necessarily for scoring or winning, but it's a little bit of pressure, you know, betting with your buddies, that yep. kind of thing, and, and adds a little bit of pressure to the situation and, and works on different, uh, different aiming points and, and different sight pictures. So. Yeah, I, I tell you, if you've never shot, you know, whether it's a paper tournament or a 3D tar tournament, if you've never shot one, even though the, it's different because on a 3D event, you're usually with three to five people in a group. In a paper tournament, you might be with 30 people on a line. The added pressure that you experience there, you you need to put yourself in those kind right. of situations, in my opinion, as a bow hunter. Because even though in the field, it's only 99.8% of the time, 97%, whatever you want to, I mean, depending if you're hunting with a group or you're filming, the only, the only not I don't want to say person, right? But an it's you and the animal that know what's what happens if you get a shot right. off on that animal. Right. And in many respects, if you shoot at that animal three times and you miss all three times, who's going to know that between besides you and the animal? So that it's it's one of those things that I'm not saying it's easy to lie if you miss right. it. Right. It happens. We all miss. <laughs> it's taken me a couple of weeks to come up with the honest truth sometimes in some of my <laughs> show, stories. Show up back to camp with one arrow in your quiver. <laughs> but what I'm saying is it's the perspective and the mindset of get yourself in a high pressure situation ahead of time so that way in that event you do get you know face to face with that animal and that experience and let's say you haven't been there but before or you haven't been there that often 
you're going to be better off. You're going to learn. You you will have known how to handle it a little bit better because of the times you've put yourself into various high pressure situations. You know, yeah. and I promise you that that first first few times you do that in any kind of uh, competitive event, you're going to experience that. Right. That I mean, just perfect example is, is go shoot a 3D with your buddies and just bet a dollar on a shot. Yeah. Watch how your your heart rate increases just a little bit. I mean, we all have that competitive drive. That's I, I think that's why we do we we're bow hunters. It's challenging. Um, but our buddies, you say put a dollar on it. That pin may that pin may float a little bit more. That you know that shot may not execute as well because you got a little bit more pressure. So. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Do what you need to to dial it up because it it is it's beneficial and um, like I said, just the more the more ways you can do it. That's why the we created the Alpha Challenge events because it's just a different element to shooting with the high uh, elevated training tools, right? And yep. It's different training tools for different scenarios and different aspects of, of bow hunting because there are so many. So yeah, use everyone you can and everyone you got. So. So we're going to go ahead and move on to, you know, Austin gave us a couple of good questions. The next one is, you know, name off some essential gear for building your own bow shop. There, many of you that, uh, you know, you may have a, a garage you want to set up to, to work on a bow. You might have the basement. We've got our, our youngest uh, uh, our, our future entrepreneur here. Everybody wants to turn around and say hi to the camera. <laughs> <laughs> go sit down for me for a sec, okay, buddy? We've got some of the, the young staffers in, in the building today. but uh, So anyway, essential gear for building your own bow shop. Again, if it's um, in your man cave or in your basement or, or your, your garage, you know, it, if you're looking to get more out of you know, your, your accuracy and, and understanding your setup and tuning and super tuning things, you need to have your own tools for the most part. You can come to a pro shop like ours and we can work with you with a ton of stuff. However... It's a dollars and cents thing, just flat out, right? right? right. If somebody wants to sit here with, with you for an hour and work on their setup, it, there's, a, there's a cost assessed with that. So, you know, on the flip side, somebody may say, well, I want to learn to do this on my own and have it. And because I tell you what, I can't tell you how many 11 o'clock midnight that, that, tuning sessions I had. Yep. When the, when the shop's not open, you're like, think it's sitting in bed or sitting there thinking, you're like, what if I did this? So you run downstairs and you tinker, you That's know it. what I mean? It, it, it just depends on how, how far you want to go, yeah. you know, what your setup needs to be. You know, if if you don't want to ever press a bow, but you want to be able to do some things here and there. So that's where I kind of broke it down into a couple different, like, entry-level stuff with, with setting up your own shop and then more advanced. And on the entry-level side, I would probably recommend people get a good arrow vise, a bow vise, excuse me, first. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, whether it's just moving your peep sight, tying in your peep sight, tying in a D-loop, checking, you know, your, your sight levels and, and your arrow levels, those kind of things. If you have a good bow vise, huge. goes a I, long way. I, I remember that early times when I didn't and trying you to even, clamp? Put, even trying to put a sight on. I got the bow sitting in my lap. I got, you know, you're trying to do a bow vise is, is worth its weight in gold just 100%. for even just holding your bow, you know. I, I tell you, you know, I, I took, you know, those pistol grip, Yep. clamps yep. and i'd put my limb on on the table and i'd find a skinny table and i'd clamp that sucker to the table sometimes and it wasn't in a great position but at least it held it so yeah you're right once you put once you put the the bow in a vice and you, it's it's stationary and you can do what you need to with it that's in my opinion probably the number one tool i would suggest somebody to get is a good bow vice second to that you know some serving you you, you want to have a uh, a good mix of servings your your 14th hours your 
your 17,000, your 21,000s for, you know, different applications. 21,000 servings more in that center serving. Uh, your 17, 18,000, like a, a 3D from BCY is great for peep servings right. or sometimes repairing uh, cams. But then, then you get into your halo, your 14,000s for... As you start to really tinker with things, and this is something that I, I've done over the years, you know, increasing strand count in a cable for more tension. We talk about holding weight. You know, that's one way you can directly uh, increase a little bit of holding weight is if you add some strands to your cables, you've got a little bit more lateral uh, tension on, on a string when your stop's hitting it. So when you do that, usually to get it to fit in the tracks, you've got to downsize your serving size a little bit. So understanding the different serving sizes and where they go, having, you know, they're, they're usually 8 to 12, 8 to 15 bucks for a, a, a roll of serving. I would get two or three different rolls of serving in the different sizes. Next to that, I would probably look at an arrow, like a fletching jig. Yep. I think that learning to fletch your own arrows, um, learning to tinker with fletching your own arrows goes a long way. Um, <laughs> you can go right in the middle, aren't you? Anybody watching on the YouTube feed knows that... Uh, We've got uh, my youngest son here. He's he's adding some some entertainment he's here, getting involved. And, and we're gonna let him do it because um, he's got he's got work to do, right, buddy? <laughs> so um, fletching jig. Uh, so with that, you know, you you can really start to uh, eliminate some variables, narrow down some things, tinker with things, right. and then when you get into broad shooting different broadheads, yeah, I fletch got, three or I four. Okay, okay. Buddy. fletch three or four arrows differently and and shoot see how they stabilize a broadhead um arrow uh, grain scale is super important there a squaring tool for your arrows is super important to add to that you know whether you want to add an arrow saw or not you can get a, a good medium of the road medium grade arrow saw for 120 140 bucks right you know so depending on your budget that's what i would add i would actually do all that before i even looked into a bow press or a drawboard. Actually, the drawboard you can probably get at any time. I mean, a drawboard. A lot, a lot of this. I mean, I've seen guys on you know on YouTube or the internet where they they've made arrow saws out of you know a high speed saw they bought from Harbor Freight and some. Other, I mean, look it up. I don't know that, but sure. Made some of that. Made drawboards with you know. You can make a drawboard for probably less than thirty five forty dollars. Right. You know, if you want to add a scale to it, it's going to add some cost. But just the actual bare bones essentials. I mean, we have a. Uh, what about a one inch bolt that we just put through two sheets of plywood and coated it with some rubber and that's the post that we hold our the right. boat the, the grip in the boat a trailer crank yeah. on it, you know? it's it's just a bow winch so like I said you can you can build one of those pretty inexpensively and they're very very valuable so I, I guess you know that that drawboard into those first few areas the bow press honestly is probably something I would do last because here's the deal different bows especially the beyond parallel limb bows they require a specific attachment sometimes for different draw or different bow presses if you get to where if you get to where you buy a, a bow and you buy a bow press and it's not adaptable for a specific bow you've just potentially spent four to six hundred dollars on a bow on a, right. a press that you can't use so you know you may actually look at a portable bow press and um, because it's a little bit it's a little bit harder to work on a bows that way, but in a pinch, you can do it. So um, Again, it goes back to how far do you want to go at your it. house, right? If you, if you just know budget. to do a, a budget and you want to do a few things, you know, that portable bow press, that'll that'll be good for you at, at the house. That'll be good for you in the field at the truck. It, it, it'll give you a lot more variety of variables, but 
it's not as easy to work on a yep. bow. It's, it's not as efficient. In, um, but just like a truck, once you have a bow press, your buddies are all going to want to come over and use it. So you got to make sure you, you understand how that thing works, what limbs it works with, that kind of thing. Because otherwise you're shooting bows all you, over the you, place. You basically are walking a fine line with a bow press. If you don't know what you're doing, you can very easily damage a bow. Crack limbs, um, you know bend risers you can you can do a whole mess of bend cams so be very cautious on what you do i, I would say that we use uh last chance last chance archery presses here we got a few of them we also have one that's now made by specialty archery which is more like an x-press but it's uh i would say that from a safety perspective it's got more um kind of parameters to to double check to to, to be uh, safe from where the, the the bow can't pop out of the press or you know just where it mounts to the limbs but those presses are up upwards of a thousand dollars um twelve hundred dollars depending if you get the ones that are got all the bells and whistles so but you can get a i think like a, a green model of the last chance press for in that four hundred dollar price range yeah. i believe there's even like you said on on archery talk and you know there's other forums that it, people have built their own right bell presses right. I, I don't I, I don't highly suggest that one, but you know, if I'm depend on your budget, but, depend on how risky you want to get with it. Right. But they're there, right? So the tools are there. So again, uh, arrow vi uh, bow vice, excuse me, I would say is paramount. You know, having some serving, having some of those tools to to work on it. Um, a, a draw board, not very hard to put together. That's that's really simple to put together. Fletching jig, uh, an arrow saw, uh, arrow squaring tool, a grain scale. Those type of things are an arrow spinner, you know. Yeah, that's arrow probably, spinner, yeah. that's a big one. That that's one that I think anybody should have. Yeah, period. Out, yeah, period. Because yeah. that's that's an extremely important part of, of getting your setup. And uh, and then a bow press kind of being last. All right, buddy. The, so well, and then uh, I mean, to, to one step further is you know maybe you set up depending on what what you have your options your house you know you set up a paper a tuning tunnel or, or some sort of of tunnel to you know paper tune your bow if you're looking to get that far now i think that would be probably after after a, a press because if you're going to be paper tuning you're probably going to need to be pressing and twisting and, and I, I doing tell you, things. you know i actually used to just get uh um i took a piece of plywood and i just cut a square out of the plywood and i would tape a piece of paper to it yeah and I would just prop the plywood up and I'd shoot through the hole that I had the paper in. And that's how I would initially work on my basement paper tuning stuff because I used what I had. I didn't have the fancy, you know, swing arm with the rack and everything. Right. So, yeah, get creative with certain things. Um, it, doesn't need to, it doesn't need to look fabulous to be functional. And functional is what really matters right. when you're talking about most of these tools so there's obviously a bunch of small tools and you know like a hamsky third axis level and other things that we use in the process of, of tuning or setting up a bow that you can add you can supplement to your 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 shop as you go but anyway austin thanks for the question uh we're going to send you uh some alpha swag in the mail so i'll be getting a hold of you to get your your mailing address we're going to go ahead and end this topic here and jump into another show and uh answer some more questions so thanks for checking us out take care